What is going on, everybody? Welcome to another episode of the Unconventional Education Show, where we talk entrepreneurship, we talk mindset, and we talk life experiences to help you level up and become the best version of yourself. Today's episode, guys, is going to be a little bit of a change of pace from what we normally do here. When I have people share their story, we get into a conversation, because today's guest has something that is extremely valuable, and I'm very excited for him to share it with you. So I have with me today, Woody Woodward, and for a little bit of a background on Woody, he dropped out of high school at age 16. So the difference between him and I, I think he willingly dropped out. I got kicked out. So <laughs> there's still, a little bit of difference. Still me, me and my principal are still debating that. Term. <laughs> I get, it's up for interpretation, but dropped yes. out of high school, age 16, millionaire yep. by age 26, and then broke by 27. From there, he went on to build four different multi-million dollar companies before the age of 40. He's the best-selling author of 42 books, and he's interviewed over 2,500 people around the world to develop his drive sales system. I have his book right here that he just sent me, and that's what we're really going to talk about today is his drive sales system. So, Woody, thank you so much for taking the time to get on today, man. Oh, John, it's an honor, my friend. Thank you so much for allowing me to come and be able to share value with your audience. Absolutely. So let's talk about that for a second here. The dropped out of high school at age 16. Well, I, I would like you to share just a little bit about that before we get into this presentation. Yeah. The reason I was laughing about that is I got kicked out of two middle schools. I didn't know how to read until I was 19 years old, got to high school, obviously wasn't making the grades, wasn't happening. And me and this, my principal got in a fight and he basically said, you know, either you're gonna have to drop out or I'm going to kick you out. You choose. So I said, well, I'll just choose to drop out. So that's why I say it's up for interpretation. And and uh, if anyone knows the rest of my story, I actually went to an alternative school. And the funniest thing about if you've ever been to an alternative school, they had one rule. You can smoke, but you just can't smoke next to the pregnant girls. And that literally was like the only rule at this school. I mean, it was like a prison for children. And I ended up getting back into school, finally graduating, went off to college, couldn't read. Then I dropped out of college as well. So I've dropped out of high school and college. And that's just been my life It's dropping out and then dropping up to the next level. I love it, man. Well, we'll get into your story after we we go over this stuff. But guys, also real quick, I'm going to actually attach a YouTube link because we have a visual running here. So in the show notes, there's going to be a YouTube link where you can actually watch what Woody's going over here. So I want to hand it over to you, Woody, because I'm excited for you to get into this. Thank you so much, John. I appreciate it. Yeah. And once again, if you guys are listening live, this really is a visual experience. So please hit that YouTube link. I'm going to walk you through how to discover your drive and how to potentially increase your sales by 400%, but you have to physically see it. If you can't see it, it's not going to work for you. So please hit that YouTube link and then the rest you can listen to the audio. But in the beginning, it all comes down to the predictability of sales. I want you to experience it. Pick a number in your mind between one and 10. Pick a number between one and 10. Now double that number. Simple math, just pick a number between one and 10, double that number, add six to that number. Now half that number. Subtract your original number. Now on the count of two, say your number, one, two, three. 
If you did that right, you absolutely landed on the number three. It's just a mathematical equation. It happens every single time. Doesn't matter where you started between one and 10. Follow that recipe and you will always land on three. So it's all about stacking the sales odds in your favor, helping you understand what drives human behavior. And it comes down to one of my favorite stories of two friends, Walter and Arthur. Walter took Arthur out for a drive and stopped and there's this beautiful grass fields and orange trees. And he said, you know what? This is where I'm going to build my dream. I've bought the land. I've spent every penny I have. I want you to buy all the surrounding property. Arthur looked around and thought, my friend has lost his ever living mind. Are you kidding me? There's nothing out here. Why in the world would I buy any of this land? But being a good friend, he's, you know, said, oh, money's tight. I don't know if my wife would get into it or be supportive. And Walter kept saying, no, man, you've got to buy it. I'm, I mean, it might quadruple in value. Now Arthur's thinking, oh, come on, man. We're 25 miles from a freeway. No one's coming out here. And lo and behold, one year later, Walt Disney opened up Disneyland and Art Linkletter had the rights to buy all the surrounding property. And he didn't do it. Ironically, the Fujisai family out of Japan saw what was happening. They bought 56 acres across the street from Disneyland for $2,500 that same year. In 1999, they sold that land back to the Disney Corporation for just under $100 million. So whose fault is it that Art didn't see the opportunity? Is it Walt's or is it Art's? I personally believe it's Walt's fault. I believe that Walt did not speak in a language, a buying language, that Art would be inspired to purchase. So for those of you who are in sales, how often are we pitching an idea, giving our options and our, our you know, product services and our messages and people just aren't engaging it's because we aren't engaging their buying language i have been obsessed with what drives buying behavior i mean i sold my first idea when i was 16 years old to zoomies i have set up factories in china thailand japan i've traveled the orient um, i've sold over 60 million dollars in retail sales and i'm obsessed with why do people buy like people love to buy they just don't want to be sold and in this process of writing these books and interviewing people, I discovered something that I call drive and I'm going to walk you through it. So once again, if you're listening to the audio, this is where you absolutely want to click on that face or on that YouTube link because here's the visual of how to go through your drive. Here's the instructions. I want you to read each of these cards first, then read them a second time and rank them, put them in order on what makes you feel important, not what's important to you. So for example, Work and family can be important to you, but work and family may not make you feel important. Doesn't mean you're a bad spouse or a bad parent. We're talking about that feeling where you really feel connected. You feel on top of that world, on top of the world. You feel like you're doing the right thing at the right time. It's your purpose. That's what makes you feel important. So go ahead and pause this video and literally read these cards, read them a second time. And when you see the D, the R, the I, the V, the E, Put those in order based on what makes you feel important. So I'm going to have you pause the video now. All right, now that you've paused it, now that you've come back, let's walk through. Look on a piece of paper. What did you write down? If you chose the green card first, that is director. Directors are motivated by a lifestyle. They want that enhanced lifestyle. They want a clear vision of financial and time freedom, and they want that VIP experience. Now, I'm a director. I'm all about that. John, you're a director. Is that true for you? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it's about having that really unique experience. Now, it's not about materialism. It's about lifestyle. There's a difference. If you 
shows the pink card, the, that uh, pinkish color. The R stands for relator. They're motivated by community. So their buying motivators are they want to consult with others. They want a family influence and they want a product that gives back. So think of like Tom's shoes. An intellectual is the I, it's the yellow card. They are motivated by systems. Their buying motivators are the back office, meaning the detail, like how does something work? Step-by-step -step actions on how to succeed and enhancing their intelligence or their expertise. If you chose the V, that's for validator, they want to be admired. And the great thing about a validator is they're phenomenal at validating others. So they're just absolutely incredible at helping and lifting other people. They want the attention and focus. They want to know how is this product going to make them look better. And if you're going to sell them, make sure you're highlighting their accomplishments. If you chose the E, that is the executive, that's the dark card. That is all about proof. They're the show me the money. They want proof that it works. They want third party testimonial and they're focused on big picture. So I'm going to read off a paragraph for each of these drives. I want you to close your eyes. If I say your drive, close your eyes and just think about your life. Think about your business, your relationships. How has this shown up? So if you're a director, go ahead and close your eyes. They enjoy a good challenge and love to feel free and independent. They thrive on being creative, discovering new things, and experiencing life. They are great in social settings, putting together a variety of people and making something happen. They enjoy, that uh, they find joy in overcoming obstacles and making a difference in the world. So if you're a director, go ahead and open your eyes. John, how does that represent you? Is that a fair synopsis of your personality? Yeah, it's spot on. <laughs> yeah. I've done this thousands of times and it is spot on every time. That's what drive is so fun about. Let's go to a uh, relator. Once again, close your eyes. They know how to build strong, long-term healthy relationships in the workplace. Their strength is in networking and building other people up to a higher level of productivity. They garner energy and security through their relationships. They are loyal to their friends and are service minded. So go ahead and open your eyes. Same thing with intellectual, close your eyes. They are stimulated intellectually, either through books, speeches, research, conversations, or organization. Success comes when they accomplish a task. They'd rather be learning something new than just lying around. They are driven to understand and be more knowledgeable. They like to share what they know with others. If you chose validator, they enjoy intimate small groups where they are being validated. Often, they are wonderful at giving validation to others. Their confidence stems from the strength of their relationships. If they feel like they are in a healthy, caring, and trusted relationship, they, they feel strong, secure, and loved. With our executives, they are productive and thrive on getting the job done, task-oriented, and focused on getting results. They do not like small talk and would prefer tackling a project rather than sitting around wasting time. They are happiest when they are pursuing or achieving a desired goal. So here's a great screenshot. Take a picture of this. Directors want lifestyle, relators want community, intellectuals want a system, validators want to be admired, and executives want proof. If you only remember just that right there, lifestyle, community, systems, admiration, and proof, you will know how to sell to all five personalities. The best way to illustrate this is in the real world. Let's look at the Shark Tank. Most of us are entrepreneurs who are listening to this podcast. We love Shark Tank. We love the product. We love what people have to, you know, the whole high and low and pitching their idea and seeing them get that golden parachute and getting that money. Let's look how Drive shows up. So you got Robert. Robert's a director. He's all about lifestyle. It's his cars, his mansions, his plane. 
Once again, it's not about money, it's about lifestyle. So he was on Dancing with the Stars and ended up marrying the woman, his dancing partner, because of lifestyle. Lori, she's a relator, she's all about community. If you've ever watched The Tank, you know, so many times she'll say no to a product, that person will start crying, she'll have empathy and sympathy for them, because she wants to help the underdog, <clears throat> and she'll say, you know what, I'll invest, I'm not interested in the product, but I believe in you. Damon John, he is the intellectual guy. He will always ask, who's doing your manufacturing? Who's doing your distribution? Who's doing your sales process? He wants to know the system. Mark Cuban, he's the Mr. Validator. He's the party, the life of the party. He's the energy. He's the one, if you don't get a deal in the tank, he's the first to say, hey, hang in there. I have failed. I've slept on my friend's uh, couches. You'll make it. Just hang in there. Kevin O'Leary, he's the executive. He's all about proof. He, he's the funniest one to watch because he'll say, you know, you're dead to me. You don't have the right numbers. I won't think about you the rest of your life. But you'll think about me every day. He always wants proof. So once again, directors are looking for the lifestyle. Relators are looking for community. Intellectuals are looking for a system. Validators want to be admired. And executives are looking for proof. So this brings us to what I call the 2080 rule. You're going to want to write that down. This will change your sales faster than anything. It states you lose 80% of your sales based on your drive. And the reason why, you have a drive that you speak perfectly, meaning whatever your drive is, that's your language. Well, accidentally and inadvertently, you're missing the other four languages, and that's why the average salesperson never closes above 20%. Look at Disney. He's all about lifestyle. If you have been to Disneyland or Disney World or Euro Disney, the entire park is set up with like a, a, a wheel of spoken hubs, meaning you can go off to Tomorrowland, Frontierland, Critter Country, Toontown, a galaxy far, far away. Everything he's designed is for lifestyle. But when he was pitching to his best friend, Art Linkletter, Art was a validator. He owned his own TV show, his own radio show. In fact, he was the master of ceremonies on opening day of Disneyland. But he did it as a validator. So when he's being pitched by Walt, he's like, I don't care about land like who cares if Walt would say hey buy this extra land it's going to help you but in so doing I'll put your name on one of the windows down Main Street now you're talking the validator language now he's thinking ah I'm gonna have my name in history I'm all in so the 2080 rule directors sell based on lifestyle relators are selling on community intellectuals are selling on the system the uh, validators are selling by admiration and executives are selling at proof, so they're alienating the other four languages. Let's see how this applies in the shark, in the tank. It's really cool because these numbers don't lie. You look at Robert, his rate of investments, he's been pitched 511 times, that's 57 deals he's done, but he's only been closed 11%, once again, under that 20 rule. His largest investment, he's put $5 million into zero pollution motors for a 50% stake. So you think about in business, they always say, you know, put your money where your mouth is. So the research that I did with the Sharks is their largest investment absolutely supported their drive. So Zero Pollution Motors is a car company that's kind of like you know, the smart car. It runs on compressed air, all about lifestyle. You got Lori, she's been pitched 311 times, but it's only been closed 20% of the deals. Her largest investment was $600,000 in uh, investing into Rufflebutts. Now, I had to Google that. I wasn't sure what I was going to find when I Googled Rufflebutts. I was kind of nervous. 
but it's a kid's clothing line. So a relator is looking for community, children are our future, that's where she's putting her money. Damon John pitched 407 times, but only, done, only been closed 15%. Now he has three of the largest deals, or I should say his three largest deals are all the exact same price. He invested a half million dollars. All of them are very tech savvy type uh, system oriented businesses. So one of them is Hell's Bells Helmets. So think about, you've got to manufacture a helmet. It's gonna protect the brain. You gotta get DOT government approval. You want an intellectual running that company or investing in that company. Mark Cuban, I put this one in green for those of you who are watching the, the PowerPoint. He has been pitched the second to least amount of times, but he's done the most amount of deals, still only being closed 19%. And I thought, well, why has he done the most deals? when he's been pitched second to least amount. As a validator, he wants to lift and support other entrepreneurs. That's why he's done the most deals. His largest investment was $2 million into 1031 productions. And I had to Google that, I wasn't sure what, what it was. It is a party company. So Mr. Life of the Party bought a party company for the validation because now he can throw these huge lavish parties east to west coast. It's hysterical because as a validator, that's where he put his largest investment. Now you got Kevin O'Leary, I put this one in red. He has been pitched the most amount of times, but has been closed the least amount of times. Because as an executive, they want the most proof. His largest investment was $2.5 million into Zips. Zips is the company that owns the patent on the individual wine glasses. You know, they have that film on it. You peel off that film and you can have your wine glass. So you have to ask yourself, what's the most profitable, um, most successful industry in the world? It's got to be liquor and spirits. So that's where he put his largest investment. So when you understand the drive sales system, what it's really allowing you to do is have the potential of increasing your sales by 400% because what you're doing is you're not just speaking your drive, you're tapping into those four other drives. So has anyone ever closed all the sharks at once? Yes. Charles Michael Yim in season five, episode two, he was seeking $250,000 for 10%. Now his product wasn't very sexy, if you will. It was just, it's called breath meter. You plug it in your phone, you blow into it, tells you whether or not you're intoxicated, allows you to you know, order a Lyft or an Uber or a taxi. So very needed, but not super sexy. But what he did was genius. And he did it subconsciously. He started answering each of the sharks based on their individual drives. What happened is the sharks started fighting for more ownership and a larger investment. To the point, our executive, Kevin O'Leary, said, you know what, let's have you walk out. They negotiated amongst themselves and they actually gave him a million dollars instead of $250,000, which was a 400% increase. Now, once again, he did this subconsciously. Imagine what you could do if you knew drive, you knew your customer's drive and how your product met their drive, you would easily see potentially a 400% increase in sales. So what that allows you to do is to go from that 2080 rule to the potential of 100% of all the individuals you're talking to. But what's at the root of all sales? Like I love, you know, being a high school dropout, not knowing how to read until I was 19. I'm a, I'm a simpleton. I look at very complex things and I break them down to the most simple, understandable bite-sized element. And what I have found at the root of all cells is this very one thing. If you think back to the 1990s, there was a TV show called The Drew Carey Show. It had nine seasons, 
the 233 episodes. Simultaneously, Drew Carey was also the host for Whose Line Is It Anyway? Nine seasons, 219 episodes. Ends up having a net worth of $165 million. So extremely successful in the TV space. So he quits his job, he's done, he's retired, and his producer calls him up and says, you know what, actually it was his manager. His manager calls him up and says, you know, the guys over at CBS want you to come in and audition for The Price is Right. And Drew said, are you kidding me? That's, the, that's an old man show. You know, Bob Barker's done it for 35, 40 years. I'm not going on that show. Says no to them. A couple months go by. Manager calls back up. CBS really wants you to come in. Will you please just come in and interview? Now, this is Hollywood. It's all based on relationships. So he's like, fine, I'll come in, whatever, I'll come in. So they're sitting there. And, you know, you've seen the body language. Arms are folded, feet are folded. He's just looking down, not interested at all. At the very end, the producer said, Drew, what do you love to do? So in essence, he's tapping into his drive. You know, what are you most passionate about? What do you love to do? Drew sat for a second, thought, I love to give big tips. He grew up poor, and now that he has money, he loves to give big tips. And the producer said, that's great. On The Price is Right, you get to give big tips every day. In that moment, and this is what I want to talk about. This is the root of all sales. It's called a reassociation. In that moment, all of a sudden, Drew saw himself giving away cars and campers and vacations and trips and all these wonderful things, all for free because he loves to give big tips every day. So you're, write this down. Your behavior will not change until a reassociation occurs. And a reassociation is nothing more or less than your brain relabeling the value of something. Why does this mean something to you? It changes the value in your mind like, oh, this, this is what I need, or oh, I no longer want that. So when Drew said, the price is right, it's an old man show, that's his first association. When the executive producer said, but Drew, what do you love to do? And Drew says, I love to give big tips. And the producer says, you know what? That's great. On the price is right, you get to give big tips every day. That reassociation, the relabeling of his brain, he said, well, wait a minute. No longer is this an old man show. This is a show where I get to give away cars and campers and trips. That behavior shifted. So all marketing is a reassociation. Everything that your product is supposed to do in the marketplace, all the marketing is designed to create a reassociation. So think about this one. Diamonds are a, if I ask you that, diamonds are a, you're going to say a girl, girl's best friend. Now that ad hasn't ran for 50, 60, maybe even 80 years. But the De Beers company partnered with um, Marilyn Monroe and the producers of the movie, and they created this whole ad about diamonds are a girl's best friend. If I ask you a diamond is, you're most likely to say forever. Another ad by De Beers convincing people that a diamond is forever. If I ask you how much should one spend uh, salary-wise on a diamond? Most of you say, well, two months. Also from the De Beers company. That's just a marketing. You're reassociating in your brain that, oh, a diamond is forever. Oh, oh if I'm going to buy a diamond, it should spend two months salary. Do you see this 80s ad? Where is the beef? That simple ad, that question increased Wendy's revenue by 31%. If I ask you the breakfast of champions, Wheaties, now, no, no champion has ever gone to the Olympics or into the ring or into the race car and said, you know what, I need a bowl of Wheaties before I get started. That's just like compressed sawdust and sugar. It's nasty. But the marketing is, oh, you want to be a champion, eat Wheaties. My favorite candy of all time, M&M's, melt in your mouth, not in your 
and another reassociation. So when you look at your product, you have to think about your potential client and ask, what's in it for me? Meaning them. What's in it for them? If they're going to buy your product, your service, your message, what's in it for them? What is the reassociation that they need to have that will absolutely benefit them that your product solves? So I'm going to change the phrase from the behavior does not change until the reassociation occurs to the sale. The sale will not happen until a reassociation occurs. I believe you get compensated in direct proportion to the problems you solve. Let's look at Michael Jordan. He was rookie of the year, six times finals MVP, nine time all defensive, 11 time all NBA, 14 time all-star, played in 1,078 games, scored 32,292 points, has six champion rings, and in his 15 year, his career earnings were only 90 million. Now, why would I say only 90 million? That's a lot of money. Because last year, Nike paid him 134 million in royalties alone. And he didn't have to lace up his sneakers. He didn't have to break his sweat. He didn't have to punish his body the way he did for 15 years, making 90 million. He got paid one and a half times his 15 year earnings in one year. Why? Simple. He solves a problem for Nike. He is 10% of all of their sales. His brand is $3.2 billion globally. And for that, he gets a royalty. His career earnings were 90 million. His corporate sponsorships were 1.7 billion. That's the reassociation. He's being compensated based on the value that he's creating for other companies. Look at Sarah Blakely, who the vendor of Spanx. She started with $5,000 in her garage, has sold over 20 million pairs to men and women giving her a net worth of a billion dollars. Sergey Brin, the co-founder of uh, Google said, it's very easy to be a billionaire, solve a $10 billion problem. So if you wanna increase your wealth, you wanna increase your sales, all you gotta do is solve more problems. So what problems do your products or services solve? So even pause for a second, pause this video, pause the audio, sit down and write that down. What problems do your products or services solve? When you can get very clear on that, you now know how to market the solution to those problems. I'm gonna make it even easier for you and break it down specifically to the drives. So you look at the individual drives, a director, here's their challenges. These are the problems that they're face facing. And as I read these, um, John, I'm gonna ask you if it resonates with you. They don't feel free and independent. They're not pursuing their life's purpose. They're not experiencing the life the way that they want. So John, when you feel challenges in your life, would you agree with that? Those are the problems you're facing. Yeah. I mean, some of my biggest, I think obstacles I've overcome come from the fact that I didn't feel free and independent. And that was like the biggest motivator for me to crush it with entrepreneurship. So absolutely. Beautiful. So if you're going to sell to a uh, relator, they feel insecure in their relationships. They have the influence that I'm sorry, they don't have the influence they want and they're exhausted from giving too much. When you're selling to an intellectual, they can't find the information they need. They have what we call paralysis by analysis. They're looking and consuming so much information, they can't make the right decision. They don't feel organized. So if your product or your service or your message will solve that problem, you'll have no problem selling to an intellectual. When you're selling to a validator, they're exhausted from serving their team. So validators are phenomenal at being the team 
and cheerleader. So they're exhausted from taking care of too many people. They feel disrespected from the people they care about, not feeling recognized for their contribution. So if your product can solve those problems, you will have no problem selling to a validator. And with our executives, same thing. They don't feel they're in control. They don't feel like they're winning in their life, their business, or their relationships. They feel overwhelmed by too many goals. So they put all these massive goals in their life because they want to achieve, they want to win. And when they can't, they feel frustrated. So once again, if your product or service or message can solve that for them, you'll have no problems selling to an executive. Uh, in my newest book, Drive Sells, I just finished it. And I had the pleasure of interviewing Ron Klein. He's the inventor of the magnetic strip on the back of your credit card. And also, if you're into real estate, the MLS system. And as I was interviewing him, he's an executive. So he's all about proof. And he said, Woody, I don't sell ideas. I sell benefits. And that really shifted. That was a, a reassociation for me. A lot of times people are selling ideas or concepts. No, you have to sell the benefit. What does the benefit of your product do for someone? So if you're selling to a director, does your product have a wow factor? Is it visually stimulating? Does it make their life more engaging? Does it help them feel free and independent? Does it help them feel more creative? Does it help them with their appearance? If it does, you'll sell to a director all day long. When you're selling to a relator, does your product help their community? Does it connect them to the ones that they love? Will it, help, uh, will it make them look like a leader in a community? If it does, man, you can sell them no problem. When selling to an intellectual, do you have clear step-by-step -step instructions? Does it save them time or money or even energy? Does it make their life easier? If it does, you got an instant sale. When selling to a validator, does your product make your client look like a rock star? Will it bring them positive attention from other people? And does it help them serve their teams? If it does, you got another client right there. And with the executives, does your product or service give your client more control? Does it help them win? Does it help them uh, meet their goals and achieve them easier? If it does, you're gonna have an instant client as well. So write this down, drive, plus the benefit of your product, that's what equals the sale. I'm gonna close it out with this and then we're gonna go to Q&A with John. It's all about niches to riches, customizing your ads based on drive. So here's an ad from Nature Made. You guys all know Nature Made. They sell you know, melatonin, different vitamins. Individuals lose sleep each night, costing them $315,000 of lost wages over their lifetime. Get sleep, get melatonin. Now here's what's fascinating. Everybody needs melatonin. It's a product for everyone. But in niches to riches, and in my book, it's in chapter eight, what it does is it teaches you how to market to one specific drive. Now they can make five separate ads, but they're targeting this one with the languaging, with the picture, based on executives. Another one was for intellectuals. It's got a pharmacist. It's got the daily supplemental verified, the USP stamp of approval. It's got all the things that an intellectual says, you know what, that's the product I'm gonna trust. When they're selling a prenatal vitamin, and once again, prenatal vitamins are for all women, regardless of their drive, they show this one ad with relators and validators, you know, talking about the secret reveal the baby and having a community of people around them, cheering them on. So what has this target marketing done for them? It's taken their sales over a billion dollars for the very first time. So when you look at your product and your service, a lot of times we think of the golden rule. Do unto others the way you would want to be done unto. I think that's selfish. I'm going to shift it to what I call the platinum rule. Do unto the others the way they want to be done unto. So in essence, sell them and serve them based on their drive and not yours. So you guys, that's the, that's the quick snapshot of it. John, I'm going to turn it back to you. 
Q&A and see how we can serve your audience as best as possible. Wow. Well, I learned a ton from that, Woody. That was excellent. And I feel like everything that you've created and developed here is so powerful. So first, before we even uh, talk more, if you guys are listening and want to learn more about this, Woody's got his Drive Sales book. Um, where can they find that, Woody? Thank you for asking. Uh, drivesalesbook.com and it comes with a couple bonuses. You also, you can buy it on Amazon. It's, it's sold worldwide. But if you go to drivesalesbook.com, you get the bonus ebook, you get the audio book and a 20 minute, 25 minute training video, very similar to this one right here that you can share with your teams. Uh, the video walks you through drive. And so you can buy one book at 25, three books, 20% off at $20 a piece. But if you got large teams, you want 10 books, Basically, we give me at the wholesale price at 40% off, so 15 bucks a book. So drivesalesbook.com will do it for you. Sweet. And I'll put that down in the, the show notes so you guys can access that easiest. But I guess, Woody, my first question is what inspired you to really dig in in the research <laughs> on this, man? Because this is, I mean, A, the whole presentation, that was so spot on. I love the Shark Tank examples. I'm a huge Shark Tank fan, and I've pretty much seen every episode. So what you said made so much sense throughout. Um, but like, what, what was inspiration for this? What made you decide to really figure this stuff out? So I wrote my first book called Millionaire Dropouts, Inspiring Stories of the World's Greatest Failures. And I had read over a thousand biographies. I cataloged all these dropouts and how they dropped out and why they dropped out at elementary, middle school, high school. I'm in the middle of this book. And my wife said, you know, I really feel inspired. You have to read How to Win Friends and Influence People. I'm like, babe, I mean, my brain is bleeding. I can't read one more word. My eyeballs are falling out. She's like, no, I'll take the kids, go to the library, read it. So I go there, second chapter, first page, left-hand side, is a quote by Dr. John Dewey. The deepest urge in human nature is the desire to feel important. Now, in my mind, I'm like, that's not true. I don't want to feel important. So I'm going to prove this guy wrong. I'm going to go interview a bunch of people and prove him wrong. He'd been dead for 57 years. Why the heck am I trying to prove him wrong? But in the process of trying to prove them wrong, that's where I actually proved it right. I interviewed over 2,500 people. Our website interviewed tens of thousands of people. And I found that everybody has five to seven characteristics that make them feel important. And that's where I developed the drive. Now, it's been a 15-year process. We put, well, gosh, $2 million into research. And it started out as eye theory, then law of importance, then emotional fingerprint. And it just gravitated now to the drive cell system where people can identify who they are, more importantly, identify what other people are and help communicate on a higher level. I love that. And I've seen, and I've been trained on different behavior types, like how people have different types of behavior. I've never seen this applied directly to sales, although it is that connection and figuring out what people's needs are and relating to them on those terms. So a question I also had come up during that is, do you think for every product, that all five of the drive archetypes can be applied no matter what the product is? I believe yes, but you have to get very creative to make sure they do. So it doesn't matter if they do, you don't have to hit all five, but you can niche it to riches. So you can take say a Ferrari and market only to directors and only to um, an executive proof. You know, they're the number one winning car company and uh, formula one. Or you say, okay, for an intellectual, we're going to market to them because it's all about systems and we've got the highest performing system. Well, to a validator, a Ferrari, the brand itself, that validates them. Now, related to their community, it depends on, are you talking a community of executives? Are you talking a community of entrepreneurs? Then it applies. 
I kind of reverse it. You take a minivan. How are you the heck are you going to sell a minivan to an executive who wants proof? Well, he or she's going to buy it for their maid or their spouse. They're not going to buy it for themselves, but they'll still buy one if it serves their needs. Gotcha. And I love what you said there. And I, I want to check out your book, Niches to Riches as well, because I think that's such an important concept too, because so many people start and they want to be cover such a broad area or do so many things. Um, what, what's, what's your advice speaking to that in terms of picking a niche and really starting there and then expanding? So I think the worst thing you can do is sell water. So way back, like 20 years ago, my business partner at the time had the uh, opportunity to license Sundance Spring. So Sundance is in Utah, the Sundance Film Festival. He got the license. He's like, Woody, let's sell bottled water. Now this is like 1997, 98. I'm like, bottled water? Nobody wants bottled water. And I thought the hardest thing you can ever sell is water because yes, everyone needs it, but how do you niche it so they want it? So where Gatorade, I think, thrived was they niched it to athletes. Now, sure, everyone, doctors, different people drink it because they want the electrolytes. But when you really niche it to the right audience, the better you'll thrive. So I don't have a book called Niches to Riches. It's actually in the Drive Sales book. It's chapter eight called Niches to Riches. What it does is it teaches you how to hit all five, but to niche each one. So selling to a relator, say this. Selling to a director, say that. So I believe even in my own business is have five types of ads specific to all personalities. Don't have one ad that hits them all. Now, having said that, if I'm doing a live presentation like this, then I am speaking to all five because I have to. I haven't marketed to just directors to come to this podcast. I was invited by you, so now I'm speaking to all of them. So you have to know your audience. Um, are you speaking to a broad group or are you niching it to a specific group? And we understand that it actually makes you, you know, putting your pitch together, putting your market together a lot easier. So that was another question I was going to ask there in terms of ads running on social media, or if you're like you just shared with the vitamins and all that stuff, like when you're running ad campaigns, it, campaigns, it's easier to create an ad specific to each archetype and, and kind of target that niche. So when you're on a stage you don't know who's in the crowd. You don't know who the mix is. And when, when you do a presentation like you just did, you can speak to each one because you're covering each type, yes. right? Yes. However, how do you incorporate that into a, a sales pitch or a presentation that isn't directly related to this? So here's something really cool with the industry that you're in, the MLM space, the network marketing space, direct selling space. Um, I've been in that space for 20 years coaching and strategizing with people. Whenever I go to a company, I will ask, I want to interview the top three to five um, distributors. I want to see what their drive is because their drive is what's attracting the other people in the audience. So if I find the top three salespeople are all executives, there's a huge chance that 80% of that audience is going to be executive. And I've done that. I've stood in the audience and said, okay, I interviewed so-and-so. He or she's an executive. How many here are executives? And like 70 to 80% raise their hand. So if you don't have that opportunity, what I will do is, and for those of you who are watching this, go back and look. I use specific pictures each time to engage you. I use imagery based on each drive. So if I'm going to be on Facebook advertising, it's very easy to, um, based off career, profession, where they live, um, what their favorite hobbies are, what groups they like, you can pick, pick your ads very specifically. But if you are doing broad, you want to hit all five as much as you can. I love it. So just rotate it through, make sure it's all incorporated throughout your presentation. And especially like on your pitch, when you go to close, so a lot of very um, 
large speakers will hire me to help them craft a very high six-figure, seven-figure speech. And what I mean by that is when you go to pitch your product and you're pitching to a large audience, you've got to make sure that you address all five drives because if not, subconsciously, they'll tune out. How, how many times have you been watching an ad, even a Facebook ad, and you're into it and then also like, yeah, I'm not interested and you just scroll past. Something subconsciously offended your drive. You no longer liked it. You tuned it out. You moved on. I love that. I love that. And it, I mean, I, like I said, logically, just watching this emotionally, this all made so much sense to me. And I think you've really created something spectacular here, Woody, seriously. So oh, I appreciate that, John. And yeah. thank you for allowing me to share with your audience. So Absolutely. So I guess a couple more questions before you go, um, just for fun here. So when, when you went from dropping out of school and you, you became a millionaire by 26, broke by 27, like what was going on in this process? <laughs> so that was 1999. That was the whole dot-com, dot-bomb. So I sold my first idea to Zoomies. And I became a toy designer. I love design and ideas. So if you buy the book, there's 167 pictures in it because I love color and design. I'm a director. Directors want to be creative. So my first career was in the toy industry. I worked for the Etch-a-Sketch company. And me and my business partners went through the process of taking our product public. So we were buying a shell company and uh, we sold you know, millions of dollars worth of stock. So based on paper, I had a, a, a net worth of over a million dollars. And then the whole dot-com, dot-bomb, tech companies, everything just exploded. And I'd sold my shares to my partners, both filed bankruptcy. I lost everything. So here I was 27 starting over. I got into mortgages and real estate and uh, we built a very successful mortgage company in seven States. We did over a hundred million dollars in transactions. And then 2005 hit and I saw the writing on the wall. I'm like this bubble, this housing bubble is exactly like 1999. So I got rid of that company, went into doing what I do now, author, speaker, trainer and invested everything into making a movie. We launched that movie on um, August 22nd of 2008, right at the beginning of the housing market bubble burst and crashing. So I lost everything again in 2010, 11, and 12. Lost our house, lost the custom cars, lost everything, and had to rebuild, filed bankruptcy, lived on food stamps, went through the whole process, built it all back again. So my whole life has been all or nothing. Like I only aim for the fence. I do not aim for first base. Like I want to hit a home run or I want to walk home. It's one of the two. I love it. That's just, that's awesome, man. I, I see a lot of relation. It, when we first talked to you, you're like, I see a lot of relations in our story. Totally. Yeah. And so I'm excited just to kind of keep following you, keep learning from you and uh, to develop this relationship. But one last question I have for you, which I ask everyone who comes on the show, because my book and my lifestyle is really embodied how the most important lessons I've learned to become successful to the extent that I have so far have come from outside of traditional school. So oh, cool. I want to ask you if you had to pick one and I know there can be many, what do you think is the most important lesson that you learned from outside of school so far in life? Relationships. It's not the who I'm sorry. It's not the how it's the who I heard from a guy named Dan Sullivan he said that, you know, so often entrepreneurs are always worried about the how. How do I do this? How do I build this? How do I do that? And he said, stop doing that because millionaires only focus on the who, meaning who, who is going to do this? Who can solve this problem? And I have found in my own business that the more I tap into my relationships, the more I create value for the people, connecting with wonderful people like you, the who can solve your problem 10 times faster than the how. 
Love that answer. Love that answer. Well, Woody, thank you so much for coming on and sharing with this with everyone today. I want to remind everyone, drivesalesbook.com to get Woody's book so you can have this information and have access to it. And I just ask everybody, if you've listened and gotten value from today's episode, just share it, pay it forward to someone who needs to hear this, anyone who's an entrepreneur, who's in network marketing, who needs to increase their efficiency with sales and build better relationships. This stuff is amazing. So pay this episode forward. And thank you again, Woody, for taking the time to come on today, man. Oh, thank you, John. I appreciate it. If I add one last thing, I forgot to mention this. I want to create value for your people. And so I decided I created this group. It's totally free. Facebook forward slash groups forward slash drive sales system. We literally just launched it. And what it is designed for is you can put your ad of what you're trying to pitch on there. Everybody who's on that group knows drive and they're saying, Oh yeah, this doesn't resonate with me as a director. This one doesn't resonate with me as a relator. So I, there's no selling on there, but it's just put your ad on so you understand and get actual feedback from that drive that you're trying to attract. And everyone's collaborating to help each other's ads work better. So I want to make sure that they know that as well. So thank you, John, for your time. Appreciate your time. Yeah, love that. Actually, I'm in the group and I saw that happening the other day and I got drawn in. It was really interesting to see. It's super fun because literally I, I believe heavily in collaboration. That's where the whole relationship side comes from. If all of us have the incentive to help one another and we understand the concept of drive, why don't we have the relators create our relator ads? Well, why don't we have the intellectuals create our intellectual ads? It'll be so much faster and easier for everybody. Absolutely. I love collaboration as well. It gets you so far, like you said, relationships too. It's just, yeah. that's what moves the needle forward. Um, before I end this, where can people best connect with you as well? The best thing really is in the drive sales system uh, group. That's where I am. And also on Facebook, but I think I'm at my, my max already and I haven't built out my business side, but the drive sales system group is great. Find me on Facebook, private message me. I'll always respond. I'm, I'm here to serve. So thank you. Awesome. Well, thank you, Woody. Thank you guys for tuning in today and listening to this episode and we will catch you next time. Later, everybody.